Hey everyone, my name is Abraxas. I'm a strategist, thought leader, and creative, and you're listening to the eighth week of IWC Schaffhausen's weekly podcast series, Creators Time. IWC are a watch brand from Switzerland who have decided to partner with me for this series. In this final episode, I'm calling upon my closest friends in the Clubhouse community for an open conversation on change, time, and creating legacy. So before we get into this, I'm going to have to introduce this amazing cast of Clubhouse thinkers, thought leaders, incredible human beings that I have on stage. So we have James Andrews, who is a Web3 creator economy enthusiast, also ex-music exec. We've got Brandon, Gen Z activist and keynote speaker. We've got Bagani, community leader and live event curator. We've got Semha, a community curator and a black woman in tech. We have Sully, a spoken word artist and poet hailing from London. And finally, we have Solar, architectural designer and sculptor. So welcome everybody, make some noise for yourself. It is a pleasure to have you all here. Love you guys. Hey, hey. <laughs> there we go. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> so we're going to do a quick, you know, this or that. So if you want to say you kind of agree with the thing, then you should kind of flick your mic on and off. Or if you don't, you should keep your mic on. And I'll just kind of allude to who's doing what. So first question, which has caused all sorts of controversy uh, in, in, in the past year. If you are having a bowl of cereal, <laughs> do you pour the milk first or the cereal first? If you believe you pour the cereal first, please flick your microphone on and off so I can see. All right. This is almost a unanimous decision here, but Semha, <laughs> you said <laughs> you're the only one that believes you pour milk first into your cereal. Why? What, what is that about? Listen, it's just about measuring the milk accurately. I do not like soggy cereal, so it's got to be crispy. That's all. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm 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 a milk first kind of guy as well. Bagani, you know, what about you? I, I saw you went cereal. You you a cereal first gang? Definitely cereal first. I don't even understand the milk first theory. It's really strange, <laughs> honestly. I love the way that it's a theory now. Um, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm with that. I'm with that. Okay, another question for you. You have the opportunity, right? They've given you a, you've got two places. You're hosting an event. You're hosting a super, super elite event, but everybody is cool. It's not about money. It's about cultural capital at this event. So it's cool people like me and James mm. and everybody else on stage, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you're hosting and you have two options. You can either host a private party in a 24 house, 24 room mansion in the English countryside or you can host it at one of Vegas's biggest clubs. What do you pick? And we're going to go over to you, Sully. What would you pick here? I'm not really a club person. I'm not going to lie in it. And I feel like in Vegas, like, there might be a lot of distractions. I, mean, I like when people meet up and they can actually like talk and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Not knocking Vegas, though. I mean, I haven't made the trip there yet. So, you know, I may, I may change my opinion in time. I hope so. I hope so. Because got, we've got a trip due. Um, <laughs> James, talk to us. 
Because as somebody who's done some really cool stuff, would you take the, the, the countryside manor um, in England or would you do the big club in Vegas? Oh, hands down, the countryside manor. Um, in many ways, I've already done this dinner, but just not in the English countryside. Um, it gives us a chance to, you know, use the rooms, to use the quarters, to even spend the night there, which would be an important uh, factor for this kind of party. Yeah, a sleepover, a slumber, a slumber party go. of great. Okay, James. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, I'm starting to get it now. Regardy, what about you? Um, I'm throwing this your way. What about you? Somebody cur- curates spaces, um, and you know, and puts on a lot of events. What would you do? Well, I like stamps on my passport, so definitely going headed to England and just um, doing what I do and just creating a vibe there. All right, I'm with it. I'm with it. You guys are all on my guest list um, in the country manner. It's going to be incredible. Um, <laughs> last question. You have to give up one or the other, right? And Brandon, you've been pretty silent here, so I'm looking your way. You have to give up fried food. So anything that's fried or you have to give up food that is made in the oven. And by food that's made in the oven, I am talking breads, talking croissants. I'm talking all of those desserts. I'm talking pumpkin pie. I'm talking all the good stuff or fried food. So Brandon, I'm throwing this question to you and then to Solar. What would you give up? Fried foods or food that's made in an oven? You know, this isn't too much of a tough decision for me. I absolutely could not give up my carbs. I love a good piece of bread or sandwich or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so I would have to give up fried foods. Uh, fried foods. Wow. Okay. Okay. Solo, what about you? Well, I think since you like set it up that the oven foods would be breads and sugars and sweets and things like that, I would give that up because I feel like if you're diet is balanced, that oil is a really important part of it. And the things that I'm frying are probably going to be healthy anyway. And so for me, fried foods are typically, I mean, don't hate me, but they're like typically healthy. So I'll give up the oven stuff and I'll keep the fried foods. All right, cool. I like, you know, I'm feeling your responses. Last quick question. You are having a dinner date and you have to choose between two people. You're choosing between Obama and Oprah. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to throw this one to Bagani. I'm going to throw this one to Semhar. I'm going to throw this one to Silly. If you had to pick between those two icons, which one would you have dinner with and why? Wow, that is a tough question because I equally admire both. However, since I was a kid, I've always looked up to Oprah and everything that she has accomplished and the vibes that she's created and the lives that she's touched. So I definitely would want to go with Oprah. Yeah, Oprah is, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, okay, Oprah, okay, okay. I respect it, I respect it. Sam, what about you? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, don't judge me, but I too am picking Oprah, but the reason why is because I just want to reenact lines from The Color Purple with her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Silly, what about you? Are you having dinner with Oprah or are you having it with Obama? Uh, It has to be Oprah, man. Oprah's the queen, bro. Like, she's just... She's just got too many decades of like just just being that that no, I don't say that guy, but just being that that person, you know what I mean? I can go back to when I was a kid and just watching Oprah. I mean, she taught me so much about the world, like, you know, just interviewing. Yeah, I mean, it's just someone in entertainment, someone who's in culture, like Oprah, yeah, therefore. Amazing. All right. Well, nobody wants to have dinner with Obama. I'll have dinner nah, with Obama. Nah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but you know, like, come on, man. I know, I know, I know. That was a setup. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was a setup. You're very right. You're very right. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for getting through that quick fire round. I hope that warmed you up because I've got some really interesting questions around time, change, and leaving a legacy. Right. Once again, I've got some of my favorite speakers, favorite influencers, favorite thought leaders on stage with me for this final special episode of Creator's Time. So I want to do a quick shout out to Umani, in my humble opinion, one of the biggest music influencers on the app, completely changed the way people use it. And Stephanie Simons, who is the first clubhouse icon. Brilliant people in this room. Um, and yeah, we're going to dig into it. So the first question, and feel free, anybody can jump in and chime in here. The first question I have is purely around change. So change is one of these things that everybody throws the word around and change is important and change does this and change, 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 change and agent of change. But my question is, when does change become necessary? And does anybody have any point in their life where change was the most important thing to them? Staying where they were would have been detrimental and change was the only solution to what they were doing. And feel free, we've got some amazing speakers and I see Solar. Solar, please let us know. I think that my life has pretty much been a tapestry of change and almost to a fault because I think that I've been so quick to make changes in my life that there are certain lessons that have to do with endurance and building, you know, ironically, as an architect, that some things take time to build. And I think that in my life, when I've experienced any level of discomfort, um, I kind of assess my situation and I have frequently made changes, whether that's moving to another country, another continent, you know, changing locations within a city, changing my career, going back to architecture school in my 30s. So I am kind of a change junkie. And I think what that's done for me is it's given me this phenomenal technicolor story, but it's given me this story that's sitting upon uh, a lack of stability because the changes have almost been more of the kind of necessity than moving through discomfort and really seeing what comes out of the other side. So I'm kind of on the extreme end of what it means to make changes. And so I feel like it's a good example to like have that in me and have that sense of adventure and have that, that courage to take risks. Like I'm certainly not denying that there are many positives, but now that I'm at this age, I look back at this like amazing life that I've lived and there's very little stability in it. And so I think change and stability are in a, a very specific proportion that needs to be heated when we make these decisions in our life. I like that. I've never really thought about change and, you know, this, this idea of stability that if you change around too much, maybe the, the, the foundation isn't as steady as it should be. Um, okay. Is anybody, is anybody else that kind of wants to hop in and talk about change? Semha Rina. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Semha Nagasa. Change, change for you. What does it mean? Does it make you uncomfortable? Um, any story that you've got where change was the only outcome you had to pursue it with all you had? Yeah, for sure. So Solar, it's actually amazing that you talked about state change and stability, because for me, security and stability was so 
hammered into my mental that I would never make a move without 15 backup plans. And, um, you know, I started working in tech and like, I just got used to change for my projects and for my team and my role. But when it came to my personal life, I was not in practice of doing that. Um, until recently, just this year, I ended up having to, um, leave my job. I just, it was no plan, just vibes because I had reached the point where I was, going too hard, too fast. I was not taking breaks. I was burnt out. And I realized that not changing actually ended up in my personality changing. Who I was, what I liked, what I did ended up changing. I did not feel like myself. So I had to change. I had to remove myself from that environment. I had to really just sit down and remember who I was. Um, And if I didn't make that change, I would not have just... um, learned those things and also now signed an amazing (laughs) role um, with a company that I've been obsessed with for a long time. So um, that's the story for you, Abraxas. (laughs) Congratulations. Congratulations. Change is one of these things. We, it's, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable when you're going through it. But Solar then said on the, on the, on the, on the, you know, the flip of this, like change is where my comfort is almost at. Once things start to feel a little too samey, like, or too, like, let me just, let me, let me remove myself from this. So I really like this. And I think the the argument here is having this kind of balance. James, I'd love to hear from you too. Yeah, I love this question, right? Um, and feel so much connection to Solar's answer. My career has been, personally, my career has been that of change. And then the work I do today is in thinking about change and, and, Actually, change is connected to time because the way that I kind of look at um, the world is through the lens of seasonality, is through um, a term that the Greeks used to measure time through, which is kairos. Uh, So measuring time, not through a traditional uh, calendar clock, but through um, spiritual season. And so I can look at my career across web one, where I built my first tech company, web two, where I built my second tech company, and now web three, where I'll build another hundreds of businesses as an investor. Um, Change is important, you know, because I always say to do what I do, you have to be um, moving at the speed of culture. And so culture is changing these Technologies are changing, and they, and culture sits on top of you know, the blockchain of you know what's happening today, um, and so as a professional, um, I'm certainly very comfortable with change because I provide that comfort for clients, investors, and founders. But as an individual, like even as a DJ, I can't even DJ in one crate. Like I got to move from '90s hip hop to like. Depeche mode real fast because <laughs> some, sometimes the, sometimes the rhythms just call for that and the, and the music calls for that. And and so I look at change through professional, through my own personal, and then through, through music, you know, it's one of the things I'm sure Bomani could speak to is like change in music and, and understanding that as a jazz musician or as a, as an artist is fundamental into, into great music. So I think like an artist, but I'm a business person, right? So I think that plays into it as well complete hybrid um honestly i am smiling so hard just because all of your responses um i'm really enjoying right now there's this notion of people changing right and this just happens through the course of life right this happens and i think everybody kind of goes through these changes or things that change them now my question is and i'm going to share an example 
I wasn't heavily into fashion at any point in my life. I just kind of, I, didn't, I don't know why, but it just wasn't really my thing. And I remember going to a big festival named Coachella <laughs> and having a lot of fun there and seeing the way everybody was dressed. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And through that one interaction, well, it was three days, through those three days, that left such a lasting legacy on me in terms of how I can dress as an adult, how I can dress as somebody who's pretty tall, how I can dress as somebody who's perceived to be masculine or whatever it is, and all the risks that I can take from a clothing standpoint, that it completely changed me. And it sounds like something really silly. It's just a three-day festival, right, where you go and listen to some music. But that completely changed the way I looked at clothing the first time I went to Coachella. So I throw this question out to any of you. Has there been anything that you've done or anything that you kind of embarked upon where you didn't think there would be long lasting change or impact on you? Solar, back in the hot seat. Let's do it. <laughs> Am I the only one flashing? <laughs> um, um, when I'm, I moved to San Francisco in um, 1996, and I think that that was the precursor to tapping into the burn, the early Burning Man community. And this was a community that was like having robot wars in the street and like everything was a theme party. And I mean, just the level of creativity was just mind blowing. And, you know, I'd come from creativity in New York, but just the extent to which people would go to create and just create universes and then like moving that community to the actual desert itself and like tapping. I mean, I almost feel like it's cliche to say that Burning Man is my answer, but I'm sourcing it in San Francisco with the actual communities that came together as like a pre-Burning Man. And so it wasn't even just my initial experiences out in the desert, but it was really just getting to become not even, it wasn't even a change. It was almost like when you step into your actual self and all of a sudden your skin fits and you're like dressed like a, you know, like a robot hanging off the side of a building with chairs coming out of the side of the building. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is normal. This is what it's supposed to feel like. And so I think it was almost as if it wasn't actually change, but it was a homecoming. And so I think that was the beginning of when I like, kind of met my fellow weirdos, hey Steph. And then I met people that were just fully expressed and there was no level of weirdness that was too weird. And, and it was all about creativity and nobody was a pretty person. It wasn't like a beautiful scene. It wasn't, nothing was about how somebody looked. It was about how they created and how they connected and how they showed up among community. And like the smaller communities eventually merged into like a more universal San Francisco slash Burning Man community. And it really changed my life and set set the precedent for many of my choices. I am Solar, so Solar is my long lost sister. Did we establish that last time during my, <laughs> totally. during my interview? I remember you came up and you said something to that effect. And now I'm hearing you talk about change and I'm hearing you talk about Burning Man. And I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of similarities here. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, Stephanie, I'll, I'll throw it your way if you want. Um, what about you? Was there any situation that you've been in, whether it be Burning Man also, that kind of made you leap out of your skin into change? Um, you know, made you change the way you think about yourself and others and fashion and clothing and time and whatever it may be. Was there anything that sparked serious change in you? Uh, you know, similar to Solar and even James, you know, I've had, like I said, a tapestry. I've certainly, um, you know, sought out change frequently and have changed myself. I think 
both physically, you know, sort of aesthetically anyway. I think I have a different, you know, look as many as often as possible. And there could probably be some you know, real uh, underpinnings or uh, uh, psychiatric reasons why that is. We can get into that in a bit. Um, <laughs> but I think, but I think that for me, yes, Burning Man, of course, significantly changed sort of uh, a, a lot of things about me, but mostly just an acceptance, as Solar said, really like finally I was in my skin and it was sort of an acceptance of me and all the crazy things that I am. Um, but I think on a different level, you know, the shift. Uh, that I started to make after finance when I left uh, JP Morgan and went to Beats was like the beginning of a shift. But then by the time when I started working um, with Will I Am, I think the shift in me to to embody a creative person and being okay with being a, you know, called a creative person or a creative, um, you know, I very much remember sitting in the studio with Will, not not the music studio, but we had a big sort of soundstage studio and talking about a product we were about to launch. And at that point, I was ahead of sort of channel engagement, and, which meant like both our retail partners. So not at all a creative role per se. But Will would just be like, hey, yeah, we need to do this stuff. Can you just style this shoot or can you book this out? And I remember just thinking like, oh, someone thinks that I can be this creative person. Someone thinks that I can style a shoe. Someone thinks, hell, if I want to shoot it, actually myself, I can. And I think that really fundamentally changed like how I saw myself because I loved, you know, playing with my own, you know, sort of fashion aesthetic, of course. But to me, I always thought that was like this, this little secret that I had on everyone else that everyone assumed that I was either in music or in art or in fashion, but that I wasn't because I wasn't a creative. And the first time working with Will, I remember he was, he just like, it was almost like he was kind of winking at me. Like, I know you think this is your secret, but like the truth, it's not a secret and you are a creative. And like <laughs> essentially, essentially forced me to step into those shoes, which was really, really nice. I love that. Somebody took a chance or no, saw, saw you for you and was like, hey, yeah, why don't you do this? Yeah. <laughs> My, I was a creative on the weekend. Um, <laughs> that was my thing. Like, Monday to Friday, you know, I'll get, I'll get the job done. I'll sit at the desk and all the rest. But man, those weekends, I was going to any weird and wonderful event that I could find my way into. Um, but I soon found that that was much that felt way more comfortable to me than than anything else. You know, so thank you to Solo and Steph for sharing. So let's move on to timing, right? Some people say that timing is the most important thing like ever. It's all about timing. And I, I get it. I truly do get it. Um, a lot of things that are built are built off timing, uh, music, all these things that we enjoy. There is a certain rhythm to them, uh, whether it's mechanical or whether it's sort of subconscious, like there is there is timing. And much to what James said earlier when he spoke about, you know, these two sorts of times, you know, the way they measure times with Kronos it being measured and Kairos being lived experience. With time being at the forefront of kind of everything that we do, and I've listened to many podcasts where they say the older you get, the more you start to hold on to this. Yeah, you start to realize that, you know, I've got more years behind me than I have in front of me. Is there one thing you would like to do with your time right now? And when I say right now, I mean right this second. If you could, is there a side project? Is there something? Is there something you would make? <clears throat> this is Bigani. I love that question because I feel like what I'm doing right now with the love bomb room is exactly what I need to be doing. So I wanted to answer the questions about change, um, before, and it all intertwines. Um, a lot of things happened in my life. A lot of cool things has happened, but, uh, what impacted me the most was the death of my grandmother and my father. 
Um, you know, when they passed away, I realized that, you know, time is not promised to us and we're here on this earth for a very limited amount of time. So when that happened, I prayed. <clears throat> I'm very faithful in my beliefs and, you know, just having conversations with God, like whatever it is that you need me to do, guide my steps because I could see that I'm not in full control. I'm not in control at all. Most, most of the time. And um, discovering a room like the Love Bomb Room, which has been so impactful, not only for myself, but others, has been a dream come true. It's almost surreal, honestly, with the amount of things that we've done, you know, for one another as a community, even myself, you know, challenging myself to rise to the occasion of challenges that that has, you know, come into my life for 2021 has built me up into like this confident person you know our time on earth is it doesn't last so just figure out you know how to maximize yourself and your purpose and that's that's the vibe that i'm on right now i like it so i taking from that um you start to talk about how finite you know that there is an end and you kind of don't know when it is which is super poignant Right. I think at some point uh, for me, I, the, 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 the time I realized this, and I don't know if anybody else will, will be able to understand this, is I remember the first time I broke a bone. So I broke my radius, right? My radius all the way through and my scaphoid bone in my wrist. And I will never forget it because up until that point, I was absolutely invincible. I could never break a bone. You know, I could, I could do whatever I wanted to. And at that point, something shifted. I will never forget that shift. Like I remember vividly what it felt like to break a bone. And I was like, I never want that to happen again. And I was like, oh man, I can break. Like I probably shouldn't jump off that roof and try and do a backflip or whatever, it was, whatever stupid thing I was doing. Right. But there's certain things that happen. As you said, we spoke about change a little earlier. There's certain things that happen that really push you to think in different ways and kind of change you. And this is why I brought that, you know, the subject of timing, because these things happen over certain periods of your life. If you're enjoying this conversation, you'll really enjoy the other IWC podcast, Partners in Time. Hosts Chris Granger and Paul Ripke take turns to interview some of the most interesting and successful people on the planet. From Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton to prophetic photographer Missan Haram. Go subscribe to IWC Spotify to listen to even more amazing conversations. Now back to Creators Time. I'm going to shift narrative just a little more now, just a little more. I want to bring it to something currently that's happening with us. And this is the, the pandemic, right? Um, it's a really unique time for, for everybody here. Um, I think it's one of those, we will look back at this era and there'll be names for it. I'm sure, um, you know, our kids, kids will learn about it in history books, so on and so forth. But I think there will be that will be more of a numbers thing. They'll talk about the day it happened. They'll talk about the spread of it. But I don't think they'll talk about what happened to the people. Now, what I mean by that is this. A lot of things have changed within a lot of people since this pandemic has hit. We've all been given time to think about what it is we maybe want to do or how we want to approach things. 
So while there has been monumental loss and sadness and grief, there has been so much learnings from this. So my question to anybody who'd like to opine is this, during this pandemic, what's been the thing you have learned the most or something that's become quite poignant to you during this time of, you know, COVID-19? Well, I'll jump in. Um, I can, without a shadow of a doubt now, I guess, you know, I don't know how many months we're into this. I really um, understand that the, that the, the idea of, of being resilient and resilience as a theme um, is incredibly important and something that needs to be cultivated and practiced. Um, and the authenticated, we just had uh, a, a basically a 24 hour festival we, of ideas that we called the resilient creator. And it was really about unpacking the changes that are happening, of course, in web three and blockchain and DAOs and NFTs and all that stuff that we talk about, but also the change in humanity, how we see ourselves, how we see ourselves in relationships, how we see ourselves as beings, sexual beings, spiritual beings. All those things are things that we kind of talk about in our community and authenticated. And I think it, it is, um, it is not lost to me that resilience will continue to be, um, a really important key component. And then the other thing I just would say is that I really learned through, um, through, through, you know, not just the, the macro pandemic, but you know, the sort of family pandemic that I was going through this idea of surrender and acceptance. And, um, I, I just have to say that those things alone for me have been game changers. The accept, you know, understanding those things at a deep level and then living them out, practicing, practicing them as a, as a form of, of, um, as a form of, uh, how I exist and show up in the world. Nice. James, as always, um, a point I love, I love the way you think about that and surrender is, oh, there is so much power in the idea of it. Um, how people practice that, you know, takes different forms all over the world. But that word alone has so much power in it. So if that is what you're bringing out of this pandemic, I, I salute you. Brandon, we haven't heard from you in a while as a keynote speaker. <laughs> what are some things that you think, you know, um, what is it that you've kind of dug deep from and found uh, during this pandemic. I absolutely love what you said, James, the need to really surrender and be present to what is happening, but at the same time, not letting that overwhelm you. And to build on top of that a little bit, I think what the last nearly two years have taught me the most is the need for genuine self-care or ourself in a full 360 degree way in terms of our physical being, our spiritual being, our emotional well-being, all of those things, then we cannot show up in the proper ways that we need to for those that are in our life, whether that is our family members, coworkers, neighbors, friends, etc. And so it really all starts and stops with us. If we aren't doing the work, then it's really hard to be there in the ways that we need to for those in our life. 
I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So long, you're up. I think, you know, the word came up twice already. And, you know, there were so many things that I learned and there were so many things that I went through, especially being in Spain, where our lockdown was really, really serious in the beginning. Um, and it was the idea of what it meant to be present. And, you know, I, the, this idea of stillness is really scary and it's overwhelming because sitting with yourself is really, I should speak in present terms, sitting with myself can be really overwhelming and really scary. Um, and so one of the things the lockdown did was it really forced these circumstances and I had to be still within myself. And in that space, what was really fascinating and interesting to me without all the distractions and the numbing and anything pulling me away from that present moment but that I was actually always okay in the present and the spaces where I was not okay and the spaces where I stepped into fear and the spaces where I left my center was when I thought about the past or thought about the future. And I then realized that I spent almost 90% of my reality in the past or the future, maybe not necessarily okay, but when I was actually in the only real space, I was totally okay. So it started kind of giving me a framework of what it means to be present and to, to actually recognize what reality is and what it means to be okay. And not that you should be oblivious to your lessons of the past, nor should you not plan for the future. But when you live into those spaces, you, there's a tendency to live into fear instead of sitting in the center of what's actually okay. That is very interesting. And I think it's quite difficult to, to be present. And it's been one of these words that comes up a lot, you know, surrender, presence, that sort of stuff. But to be, it's quite easy for me to drift into, you know, that embarrassing thing that I did when I was 17. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then you, you really think about it. You're like, oh man, why did I do it? You honestly live through these moments again. And then, or then do this thing where you're trying to future, future proof yourself and do all these weird calculations in order to, to, to protect yourself. And in some cases, just protect your ego, which is really weird. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad this is, uh, this is where the conversation's going. We've kind of spoken about change. And then we've spoken about time and you guys have shown me immediately how they're interlinked. Uh, we had James talk about, you know, Kronos and Kairos, which as a, you know, I think we need to bring that, bring that up more often, to be quite honest. I think Kairos is extremely important. Um, and in, you know, in terms of philosophy and thinking and ideals. So the question is, is there anybody that's left a lasting impact on you? So what I'll do is I'll go first and just kind of quickly talk through a person that really left an impression on me. So for me, um, I had the opportunity to, <laughs> to work with somebody, and I won't say their name, to work with somebody who had had a brilliant career, uh, much so like Solars, much so like James's, where they hopped around so much. And it kind of let me know that you didn't have to wear one hat because up until this point, I assumed that you went to school, you then went to university, whatever it was, and then you got a job and you stayed in that job. And maybe you flirted around if you were in, you know, finance, maybe you went into like fintech, but never had I met anybody who had gone from banking to modeling to this, to that. And I would look at this person in awe. Um, and just in astoundment, was, you know, it made me think, well, if they can do it, well, why, why can't I? Uh, and the thing that I really took away from that is that 
any subject we would talk about, he always had a good rebuttal. He had played in the space. He had touched in the space. He had read about the space. So a great person for me, a great sort of uh, a beacon of sort of knowledge um, that, you know, spanned over so many subjects. So for me, that person left a humongous impression and let me know that, hey, it can be done. You don't have to follow what everybody else is doing. You can do this and you can do this the way you choose to. It's your life. So with that being said, um, Semhar, Solar, Sully, Bigani, Brandon, James, is there anybody out there that you have kind of seen grow, develop, do things where you're like, wow, you really are the blueprint for what I want to do? Um, this is a great question. So for me, um, it's actually uh, one of my mentees. Um, and the reason is because they looked up to me in a way that I did not feel I deserved. Um, and they were able to accomplish so many things that, you know, later on they were like, and this is the moment when you showed me this was possible. And this is the moment when I saw you do this and, you know, figured out that this is how I want to operate. Um, and that conversation was just so important to me, not because I was just sitting there getting praise, but because it really clarified for me the importance of representation. And whatever I see of me in my head is different than how I am received and how I am experienced by others. And on the surface level, sure, I knew that. But to have somebody catalog dates and times, projects, events, random jokes I made and be like, this is what led to my success. Um, that really kind of changed my perspective of, you know, the importance of how I move and the impact that I may have on other people. Um, so in a way it, it created, um, a vision for me on how I want to continue moving and to just be more mindful of that. I like that. It's, it's really cool when, when somebody else shows you, you know, you can do it too. Like if I can do it, and especially when you have, uh, you know, you're not just watching on the peripheral, you actually get to speak to this person. It makes a humongous difference on your self-belief. And what you said there about that person looked up to you in ways you didn't think you deserved. Wow. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being so honest. Solar, Brandon, Bagani, Sully, James, is there anybody out there that has really left a lasting impact has kind of put their blueprint on top of yours and kind of allowed you to pursue the things that you want to, or think about yourself in a different way, or give you that self-belief to pursue something different? So many people has come into my life and inspired me and impacted me. And I would name a few right now. I'd say, you know, Akon, working with Akon, you know, meeting someone like James Andrews, my mentor, Londell McMillan. Um, but I would really say someone that I'm looking forward to meet, and I know I'll meet him, uh, sometime in, in my lifetime will be Kanye West. Um, he is a genius artistically, you know, I, I can't even put into words like how this, this man has impacted me with his music, um, his movements, you know, Sunday service, like making that thing, you know, making that a cool thing and just overall being an inspiring person. Um, and also my grandmother, Really, I really have to to give a lot of credit to to my grandmother because even meeting these people, I still need to have a core um, system, like a core value system to, you know, whatever I, what it is that I learned from these great people. 
to incorporate it in a way where I, I live in my purpose and I, I stay true to my integrity and my purpose. I love that, Begani. <laughs> you do have to have, you know, a core values that you hold to yourself. And if it's your grandma that taught you that, that's a beautiful story to share. Solar, let's go Solar and then let's go James. I'll, all right. I'll so, be quick. I'll be quick. And I'm going to answer it a little bit differently than you're, than what you're asking, but it'll make sense afterward. So when I was in high school, I had this best friend that would just like, I was a wallflower. I was super shy. I was like, really just like talking to one person against the wall at the party. And she would just walk into the middle of the space. And if she heard music, she liked, she'd dance. And if we were in a club, she would be the only person on the dance floor. And I would just watch her in awe because I was too scared to go out there and be so visible and be so judged. And But the more that I watched her, the more I watched the energy around her. And what I learned from her, I just remembered the seed was planted. I was probably 16 years old. And what I learned from her was that if you showed up in a fully authentic way, that had much more impact on the surrounding than whatever it was you were showing up as. And so what it taught me was the more fully expressed I was in any situation, the more that unconsciously and inadvertently gave other people around me permission to be fully expressed. And so from that moment as a teenager, more and more, I kind of just, it was like this fake it till you make it because I, I really truly believe that regardless of how insecure I was, regardless of what I was projecting, my fears, that none of that actually was real. But the more authentic I was in moving my body on a dance floor, in telling people when I was afraid or untrusting or happy, when the more fully expressed I was, the more powerful that ripple effect was and the closer people felt around me. And so it was almost like powering through this insecurity by emulating somebody that was authentic made me more and more safe to be authentic. And that was, I don't even know what she's doing with her life. I just remember how she showed up and the ripple effect of being authentic. And that changed everything. Wow. 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 That's, it's made me think about some things, you know, some friends that I had, Yeah. the, the more the rebellious ones that Sola, thank you. Um, James, uh, let's go over to you. Um, is there anybody who's left a sort of lasting impact on your life uh, that made you, maybe made you change the way you think, uh, change the way you are, change you entirely, actually? Um, James, over to you. Yeah, this entire group of people on stage have made me even change my, my answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go. I love so, that. Um, the first person that came to mind was Jane Fonda because I um, worked with Jane um, and built janefonda.com many years ago, 2008. I served on her board for two years and spent, you know, a few years with her and she's amazing. And I have lots of stories around that. Um, and then, um, when you, uh, Bagani mentioned Kanye West, I forgot that I worked with Kanye for six months and forgot more importantly, how impactful, you know, those moments were. So actually the Semhar, uh, answer of like sort of an, a mentee, uh, really struck me because I'm a parent. I have, uh, a 25 year old and I have a 20 year old. And, um, and so when you're a parent, you know, you really see that effect, um, in your own house. And so, you know, that is truly the true reflection of, you know, watching resilience or watching persistence or watching hustle through your children and through your kids. And, you know, my daughter sky is, is, is amazing. She's incredible. She's talented. And, uh, yeah, so it's right at home where I get to see that, that change and that effect. 
I love that. It's so you kind of you you brought it from like three elements. You said there are people that you've worked with, but you've also people that you've brought into the world have kind of changed you. And at this point, I'm not a parent. I would hope to be one one day, but I'm not a parent yet. So that's something I'll have to maybe live vicariously through you uh, <laughs> in our one on one catch ups. Thank you for sharing, James. I'm going to bring some people up on stage. I'm going to bring some great, great thinkers up on stage from the community that I know and love. So let's please welcome Butterscotch, who is a brilliant musician. Let's please welcome Bolonius, who is an author and just great thinker. And let's please, please give a warm welcome to Leah, who is a brilliant and amazing mentor, singer, and youth activist. So welcome, you three. <laughs> hey. What's up, bro? Hey. hey. So, unfortunately, I only have one big question left for everybody. Um, and I'm going to pass it around to everyone. And this big question I have left is this when it's all said and done, when you're, I don't know, 150 years old, I hope, when it's all said and done and you're kind of there and you're, you know, you're fading in and out, if there could be one word, one word that you're remembered by, what would that word be? And why? So I would say human. And human, Bugani, why would you say human? What's the, what's, what would that say about you? Human. So, you know, I was going to use the word love, but even with that, I'm still learning, you know? Um, and I think love is something that we're always going to continuously learn as we evolve as, as human beings. But human is like, that's who we are. You know, we're, we're, we're constantly seeking for purpose or we're constantly learning about love, learning about one another. And that's who we are, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of being a human, just evolving at each level of your life. Love that. Okay. Okay. Vigani, thank you for being the first and being so brave and explaining it so pointly. So the question, just in case you don't know, is if there was one word that you'll be remembered by at the end of all of this, if there's one word you'll be remembered by, what would that word be and why? Uh, this is Wallonius. Uh, said actually said my word, but uh, mine would be purpose. 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 And why would it be purpose, Wallonius? Um, Well, because I, I feel like it, it means that, you know, I, I live my life doing something that was bigger. Um, I was intentional with um, the actions. I just felt like, you know, when, when you're living in your purpose, you know, it's, it's just like you're, you're being led, you know, by a divine force, you know, whether it be God or the universe or whatever people believe in. But um, I, I know for, for me, like whenever I, I do something with purpose and, and be intentional about it, like it, it impacts people in a very um, profound way. So I always just, you know, I, I, I pray for, for wisdom and, you know, just to always just be, you know, living in my purpose. Dope. So we've got human and we've got purpose. Leah, what about you? What a question. Okay, so I'm going to go for harmonious. Um, I love harmonizing anyway, in a literal sense. I love harmonies. I love music. I love arranging. Um, it's something that I've really grown in over time. And I just absolutely fell in love with the arrangement of music and vocals. Um, and when it hits right, it hits perfectly. But what I really mean by harmonious is 
the power of collaboration and being a peacemaker. Um, it's something that really troubles me when people aren't getting along or things don't make sense. And I'm not going to say that I like to sit on the fence, but I like to understand the root and bring people together and solve problems. And sometimes it's to my own detriment or has been, but learning to navigate relationships and collaborate with people and bring as much harmony as possible and create environments where people can just vibe and bubble. I love to be in a party and just bring out a game and get everybody laughing if the vibe's a little bit stupid. And, you know, I just love the sense of harmony and peace. And I think if I can leave this world, having made it a more harmonious place, no matter what environment I'm in, um, I would be happy. I would definitely die happy. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Leah. James, what about you? One word. Oh, mine's simple because I've been thinking about this and I live my life through this lens of purpose and legacy. And um, so, so mine is actually a derivative of a, of a, of a two word um, statement that I heard a pastor say one day, which is die empty. And the idea of dying empty means to, you know, avail yourself of all the contacts, all the relationships, all the, all the things that you've acquired. Uh, I truly hope that at the end of it, end of it all that I've emptied myself, um, left it all on the court. You know, I, I like to think of myself as an entrepreneur athlete, but I, but I certainly, none of this, you know, is meant to take with you. I live in full abundance, uh, total abundance today. I've already made it. I'm already successful. I've already balled out. So to me, the greatest word could be empty and, and that could be on my tombstone. Brilliant. Empty. Who is next? This is, this is I'd really good. to go. So, all right, we'll go Solar and then we'll go Butterscotch. So Solar, you are up. Um, I think that I want to be remembered for turning people on. And what I mean is just, you know, to be enlightened and illuminated and to reflect the light that's in everybody um, just by being present with the people that I love in the ways that I have been. I feel like the most impact that I've had on people is seeing them, allowing them to be seen and giving them a chance to kind of tap into their own light. And so um, whatever I'm remembered for, you know, it should be something around that light. So enlightened, illuminated, whatever you want to pick. <laughs> I'll take illuminated. I think it fits your name perfectly. Butterscotch. It has been a while. And I can't believe this this is this is our first meeting in a while. And this is the question I have. <laughs> one word. One word yes. and why. This one word that, you know, when it's all said and done, what will be the one word that best describes the legacy you leave behind? You know, it's hard for me to ever narrow anything down, but I would say um intergalactic. Um, I'm always moving between different worlds metaphorically and maybe physically, but yeah, it's, it's a Renaissance woman of, of sorts. And I just, I, I love weaving in and out of different, um, different types of, of, uh, galaxies, um, and all the magical, you know, synchronicities that happen and, um, synergy was going to be another word as well. I love that. Intergalactic. Brandon, I'm looking at you and then I'm looking at you, silly. And then you, Semha. <laughs> so get ready, Brandon. I, I would also say it's this. really hard to try and pick one word, but I'm going to hyphenate mine. 
Uh, it's going to be change maker. I want to be remembered as somebody that not only leaves an impact, but is also remembered for using what he has been given in the most exponential way possible to help as many people as possible as well. So that would be my uh, hyphenated one word. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let it pass. We'll let it pass. Silly, we're looking at you. Do you have one word that would best describe you when this is all said and done, when Kronos is done with you? (laughs) I can't even lie, bro. I can't even think. I've been thinking since everyone's been talking. I, I, I honestly don't even know what it would be. I mean, I guess it's more like how you want to make people feel in it. Do you get what I'm saying? And I'm still like trying to figure that out. You know, because at the end of the day, when we're all gone, it's, 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 it's the people we leave behind that are kind of going to define us, isn't it? So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think if, if, if I was younger, when I was younger, I'd have like a bunch of like bold kind of like, exciting state of state exciting words but i don't know I'm, I'm i'm trying to figure it out i can't lie to you listen no response is a good enough response for me silly <laughs> thank you thank you and last but not least somehow now you just had to let silly go before me so he could steal my answer that's fine <laughs> <laughs> so uh while it would be on brand for me to say you know hydrated and moisturized that's not what i'm a pick um my word is energy. Um, and like Sully was saying, because, you know, while people can think about what they read about me, what they heard about me, maybe what they saw me do, what you will remember is how I made you feel. And I'm a sensitive person myself. I'm a sensitive soul. I love to feel things. Um, and so the impact that I want to leave um, is with people to be able to feel and experience me even when I'm not present. Wow. Thank you to every single one of you that's come up here and shared so earnestly. Thank you to IWC for choosing us to put this together because it wasn't just me, it's us. Thank you to everybody who's tapped into this incredible six-part series that then turned into an eight-part series. And thank you for taking time out of your life to sit here and be with us today and be present with us. It has been an absolute pleasure doing this for IWC. Um, And I cannot wait to see what they do in the future in and out of social audio. The final thing I'll say here is this to anybody who is listening, you've done it. If you're here, you have done it. I know, I know it's a pretty stressful time. I know how it's quite a stressful time for all of us, but what I will say is this, we are all in it together. Um, I've had a group of humans on stage with me who some of them have met, some of them haven't. These are just people that I've picked and they've taken their time out to give really harmonious answers to great questions. So thank you to all of you for coming here. Thank you for all of you for listening. Thank you to IWC. And thank you for just being around and kicking it with us. So with that, thank you, everybody. Love you guys. Love you guys. Peace. Peace. Firstly, I want to thank all of the participants who shared so earnestly during this eight-part series. Without your contributions, there would be no creator's time. The words of enlightenment that you shared throughout this series will serve as a blueprint for many that want to start new careers and pursue change. 
Finally, I want to thank IWC Schaffhausen for understanding the beauty of conversation and allowing it to be captured in a live setting. They truly have been engineering dreams since 1868 and have allowed me to fulfill a dream of my own by hosting this podcast. Please be sure to check out Partners in Time as they will resume scheduled programming. <laughs>